closing, while it might seem there is a potential Weinberg paradox of shadow timelines bleeding over into reality 1327, it may in fact just be coincidence that we are currently witnessing the creation of artifacts from reality 1692. Whether or not this is a harbinger of the Legion War remains inconclusive. Recommended action at this time is to continue to observe and report back. I do not believe that direct quantum mechanic intervention is warranted just yet. However, have Mechanic Winters prep a team with my latest info dump, just in case things go side real, and a data log of quantum mechanic Jason Gray and Send. <sighs> Who would have thought that even here in the Crucible, a time traveler can have a long day? I am overdue for a well-deserved long nap. Computer! Silence alarms! Computer report! Unprecedented Abrams event in reality 1327. Chronal collapse imminent. Registering 49 on the Moffat scale. Immediate quantum mechanic action must be taken or the crucible will fall. Computer, have quantum mechanic Megan Winters send any information she can to my pad and immediately open a temporal junction to reality 1327. Unable to comply. Chronal collapse imminent. All realities along the corridor are in danger. Computer, open a temporal junction to reality 1327 now! Unable to comply. Unable to calculate. Unable to connect to exit node. Unable to predict where in time junctions will open. Shutting down all temporal corridors. Computer Omega Override. Authorization Gray 17. Command code Niffenegger 1013 Gamma. Activate McIntyre Gambit, Crucible Escape and Preservation Protocols. I'll figure out where I land when I land. Just, just launch me into the time stream. Board streamers, this is episode 28 of the Bloodstream. I am your host, Jason Gray, and this week on the Bloodstream, I am going to. What the heck? Is that a videotape? You've got to be kidding me. I haven't seen one of these in years. The Cloverfield Paradox. They put out a third Cloverfield movie on videotape. I can't be right. Uh, let me go check this thing out, see what this is all about. I'll be right back, who knows? This might be worth talking about.
that's a rough landing. What the? What is going on here? What has happened? This, this can't be 1327. If it is, I am gonna have to have a serious talk with myself because he has let this place go to shit. It might be one of the wars, but there shouldn't be one going on at this point in time. Is this the Abrams event? <sighs> Let me see where I am. I think my pad made it through undamaged. Ah, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I didn't land in 1327. This is apparently reality 47. Haven't seen a number that low in a long time. This is one of the early prime realities. No wonder this is spreading out across the entire side reel string. Well, the good news is, I at least landed in the reality where the... Abrams event originated. Hmm. Let's see. Looks like Winters got some information out of the Crucible. Uh, this Earth appears to be on a brink of an energy crisis. That's one way of putting it. Uh, information says that in this reality, a group of nations banded together to try to solve the energy crisis with a particle accelerator deemed too dangerous for Earth, so they built the Cloverfield Space Station. Uh, on the 48th attempt to fire up the Particle Accelerator, it cracked space and time throughout this reality, the past, present, and future, and all other realities. <sighs> yep, that would definitely qualify for an Abrams event. No wonder everything's falling apart. Well, it should be a simple enough matter to fix. Just go to the Cloverfield Station and sabotage the experiment. Travel between realities is down right now, but I should still be able to body slide from point to point within this reality. And maybe just time slide back enough to stop this from happening. Yeah, there. Coordinates dialed in. And here's hoping I don't get splattered across the time screen. Nice station they got here. Now I just have to avoid detection and maybe throw a literal spanner in the works. Alright, let's see. There, There's a terminal. I know this stuff better than they do being a quantum mechanic. Let's see. Ooh, there's their problem. Really shouldn't be messing with this stuff, but... If I'm just things a little bit, I should be able to change things just enough to have their experiment fail, look natural, and seem like it's not going to end up working. Uh, the job of a quantum mechanic, subtly going in and fixing time. Now I just need to scroll temporal coordinates forward a few days back to my entry point, and hopefully I fixed things. Well, look at that. Buildings aren't crumbling around me, the sun is out, there's no fires, there's no uh, giant monster coming after me, so that's a bonus. And uh, let's see if I can contact the crucible again 
Quantum Mechanic Jason Gray contacting Crucible Control. Cloverfield Paradox has been rewound. Requesting return corridor. Alright, so here's what really happened with the Cloverfield Paradox. I woke up Sunday evening. I'm a night person, so I sleep during the afternoon. I get up, sit down at the computer, start checking on things, I hit Twitter, and what do I see? A new Cloverfield trailer. Okay, cool. I'm down for that. I watch it, and what do I see right after it? Premiering tonight after the Super Bowl on Netflix. Boom. Mind. Freaking blown. This movie has been in the works for a while, and last reported release date was April, I think? I wake up on Sunday and discover, hey, later tonight, you can sit down and watch the new Cloverfield movie in your house. Fuck yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. When is this game over with? So I couldn't start it right when the game was over with because I was in the middle of a few things, but I watched the movie that night, and I knew right then and there, I got something to talk about for the next episode, and this one's gonna be a little different from our usual as I do on new releases. I'm not gonna get into the blow-by-blow -blow, as you know, but I am gonna sit down and talk for a bit, and I decided to beef up the episode with some more quantum mechanics stuff, which, quite frankly, I love doing. I have missed bringing the quantum mechanics back, and this was a great excuse to do it because the whole paradox idea really works with that universe. In a lot of ways, this episode serves as a bit of a pilot for an idea I have, to spin the quantum mechanics off into their own show where I review sci-fi movies. If this gets good response, yeah, I might do that. And I might be breaking the fictional reality I've set up a little bit by pulling the curtain back so much, but I really wanted to talk about it. And I also really wanted to talk about the real way in which I heard about Cloverfield Paradox. And even though my future quantum mechanics self kind of already explained the plot, let me give you the official synopsis. Orbiting a planet on the brink of war. Scientists test a device to solve an energy crisis, and end up face-to-face -face with a dark, alternate reality. So yeah, let me just break here, play the trailer, and I'll be right back. I need to say two things that won't make sense to you. First... Something went wrong. And two... We just lost the Earth. Oh my god. You're not losing your mind, I promise. So let me talk a little bit about the history of Cloverfield and my relationship with it. I still remember when I went to go see Transformers and there was this trailer for a movie at the time that was simply called 011808. It was a disaster movie. It was, it looked like found footage. The trailer really didn't tell you much at all, it didn't even tell you the name of the movie. Over time, this evolved into becoming the first Cloverfield movie. And while I did really enjoy that first Cloverfield movie, it did still suffer from a lot of the same problems that all found footage movies seem to stumble into. I won't get into the details, you've probably already heard me say them already, or maybe even read them on my site. And if you haven't, if you've seen a found footage movie, you can probably figure out what they are for yourself. The movie still had a good number of moments to it, it told a really good story, and it brought found footage into a bigger budget monster disaster movie area that it had never really been in before. And we all pretty much thought that was going to be it for Cloverfield. A one and done movie. But then eight years later in 2016, another trailer drops, looked really cool, and all of a sudden the title pops up, Ken Cloverfield Lane. 
what the hell is this? And on top of that, the trailer drops a mere month or so before the movie premieres. So somehow this movie got made entirely in secret and comes out of nowhere. The film itself was tense and mysterious, and it kept you guessing the whole way through. I feel that 10 Cloverfield Lane, which much like Paradox, was not originally made as a Cloverfield movie, actually benefited from becoming a Cloverfield movie. I've seen any number of stories where a person wakes up inside a bunker with a strange person and they're told, oh, the world outside has gone to hell, there's a nuclear war, there's an alien invasion, there's a biological attack, etc, etc, any of those excuses. And there are really only two ways those stories can go. Either the person is lying, they kidnap the person because of whatever reason, usually it's because they have a mad crush on the person. Or the other reason is, they're absolutely right, and once the person steps outside, they melt from nuclear fallout or whatever. So I went into Cloverfield Lane thinking, well, it's gonna be one of these. There's really very little wiggle room you can go with that. But because of the Cloverfield name attached to it, you can never sit down with absolute certainty and say that John Goodman's character Howard was a crazy person. Because since this is technically a Cloverfield movie, he might be right. There might actually be an attack out that door. There might be aliens out there. But then as the story unfolds, it starts to seem that, no, this guy is not right in the head, and he's a little obsessive and has kidnapped this girl to do whatever. But then it turns right back around to, well, maybe there is an attack going on, because we just saw a person outside that melted. If this movie had just been released as something called The Bunker, you would have gone in and been the entire time going, oh, yeah, Howard is not right in the head, he has kidnapped this girl, he's obsessed with her, and I love that since they attached the Cloverfield name to it, you never know. And I love how it plays out over the course of that movie. And because it's a Cloverfield movie, it gives them absolute, complete license for how that movie ends. In some random movie called The Bunker, when the aliens show up at the end of it and Michelle gives her, Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Every other person in the audience would be right there with her calling bullshit on this movie. But because it's Cloverfield, of course it's aliens. So yeah, I really enjoyed the first two movies, which brings us to number three, The Cloverfield Paradox. And in case you haven't figured it out yet, while I did say I'm not going to do a complete blow-by-blow -blow of the plot, here there be spoilers, so bail out now. As me and myself explained, we've got a multinational team of scientists aboard the Cloverfield Space Station, which I keep wanting to say is the first time the name Cloverfield has actually been used in one of the movies but the first movie did say the investigation into what was going on in New York City was called Cloverfield. Anyways, they're working on a next-next-next-next-generation particle accelerator that will hopefully solve their world's energy crisis. The first attempt doesn't work, which is no surprise. Something goes wrong. Just a mechanical failure, so they keep working at it. We speed through a number of attempts, and it's soon two years later, and still the Shepard accelerator has not fired properly. It could just be the science isn't working out the way they thought it would, it could be the equipment failing, but because things are tense and these people are from countries that are on the brink of war, not to mention they've been stuck in a tin can for two years, tensions are high and the word sabotage starts to get thrown around. The Russian, Kiel I think was his name, believes that the German scientist in charge of the entire project trying to get things working is deliberately trying to sabotage the project on behalf of his country Germany because the longer this takes, the more the world destabilizes and his country can swoop in and do whatever they want to Russia. 
There are also some concerns going on in the background that, much like when we fired up the Large Hadron Collider, that turning on the Shepard would punch a hole in reality and doom us all. But since the energy concerns of Earth are dire, they have to push forward and they keep trying to get it to work. They give it another try, attempt number 48, things seem steady, the power starts to work, and they break reality. Let the horror begin. Once the accelerator fails, things start going wrong, they can't find the Earth, they're running around the station trying to get systems back up and running, and they come across another whole woman stuck inside one of the walls of a corridor. No one knows who she is, she's not a part of the crew, it's not like she could have stowed away on the mission two years ago, but this woman, Jensen, she thinks she's part of the crew, she seems to know everyone there with the exception of one other person. Things unfold, and long story short, they realize they're in an alternate reality. Their experiment did as some scientists back on Earth feared, and they broke the universe. The laws of physics no longer apply. This is both a good thing for the audience, and a bad thing. Because once the physical laws of reality start to break down, you can do some really fun random horror stuff. And the movie does that in spades. And that stuff is great. But at the same time, once you toss science and the laws of reality out the airlock, well, you can do whatever the heck you want and not really have to explain it. Which the movie does several times with a hand wave and a shrug and just, well, we broke physics. Even with that stuff, I personally am able to sit down and I can't explain what's going on using some of the higher level, more theoretical, multi-dimensional sort of science. But you really shouldn't have to exercise your brain with stuff like that for a fun sci-fi horror movie. The best example of all the good and bad this entails comes at the expense of one of my favorite characters in the movie, an Irishman named Mundy, who is having the absolute worst day of his life aboard the station. He's doing some repairs and his arm gets sucked into one of the walls in the corridor. And when they pull him out, he's kinda missing the arm. And when I say missing, it's not like it was cut off and he's gushing blood, or it was cut off and the wound is covered over somehow like it was cauterized. It's cut off like they sliced through a piece of meat and you can literally just see the insides sitting there. It's not really sealed off, it's not gushing, it just stops. And they later find his arm elsewhere in the station, still kind of crawling around like it's thing from the Adams family. It's like the arm is still attached to him, but there's a fourth or fifth dimension between where his shoulder ends and his arm begins elsewhere. It's like the idea of poking your finger through a folded piece of paper, and it's in two different spots, a three-dimensional object poking through a two-dimensional bent plane. I shouldn't have to go to that sort of explanation in a horror movie. Oh, and the reason Mundy is my favorite character in this movie? He brings some much-needed dark gallows humor to the proceedings, because it's otherwise a really dark and bloody movie. He knows he's having a bad day, he's not happy about it, and he is having none of it. Eventually the crew figures out they're in another reality, and Jensen is a member of that Cloverfield Station's crew, and so they set out to reverse the Shepard Accelerator and hopefully return to their home universe. All while the damaged ship is threatening to fall apart on them, and they have to maintain repairs in dangerous situations and get picked off one by one. If you've seen a space disaster movie, you kinda know where this is going. But I will say there's this one point in the movie where they have to go and sever the maintenance section of the station or it's going to fall apart. And the scene plays out 
with them having to do a spacewalk because it's already falling away from the station. And the journey from the main part of the station to the maintenance section. I have to wonder if this is a deliberate reference, but it really plays out in an almost mirror to the scene in the first movie where they have to cross from one building to another, climbing across a building that fell against the second building. It's been a while since I'd seen the first movie. I remember the scene in general, but it really seems like it's one of those scenes that would play out almost exactly in both movies, but my memory's spotty, so... I really hope that was a deliberate reference, but if it's not, it's still really cool. We do get a bit of a final twist in the story when Jensen turns on the crew from the Prime Universe, and she refuses to let them leave. And she starts to actively sabotage their attempts to go home. And I love that she's the bad guy in this situation, but her stance is absolutely 100% understandable, if a bit extreme. Her world is shit, it is a world where the wars that everyone fears has broken out, and she wants to keep the Cloverfield in her reality, because she knows the accelerator works, and she believes the energy it will provide will stop the wars. But anyways, it all works out more or less in the end, and our few survivors make it home to their home universe, but unfortunately the damage is done, and all of reality is broken from the past, present, and future, and across even other alternate realities. This right here is the glue that ties the entire Cloverfield multiverse together, and allows them to tell all these stories in this multiverse, but doesn't require them to tie them rigidly together into one coherent narrative since they're allowed to exist across multiple Earths. I do also have to wonder if this allows us to integrate Super 8 into the overall Cloververse. I mean, you've got the big alien popping out of nowhere, it may be set in the 80s, but now with what Cloverfield has done, why not? It actually reminds me a lot of the Metal Herlant series, where everything is normal until you have an inciting event that is singular across all the stories that starts to make things go horribly wrong. And the important key is that event does not have to be integral to the story, it just has to exist and we know it happens somewhere and that's why everything goes wrong, and it's explained pretty nicely by Professor Dr. Donald Logue in the one and only clip I'm going to drop into this episode. I worry you so much. Because that accelerator is a thousand times more powerful than any ever built. Every time they test it, they risk ripping open the membrane of space-time, smashing together multiple dimensions, shattering reality, and not just on that station, everywhere. This experiment could unleash chaos, the likes of which we have never seen. Monsters, demons, beasts from the sea. To clarify, you believe their efforts to solve the energy crisis might unleash demons? Yeah. Oh yeah. And not just here and now. In the past, in the future, in other dimensions. You have no idea how much I would love to be wrong about this. Monk. If you want to know more, turn that shit off. Please. So, my final thoughts on Cloverfield Paradox. I really enjoyed this movie. But to be fair, yes, it is not as good as 10 Cloverfield Lane. That movie was a tight, taut thriller that kept you guessing the whole way through. Paradox is just a straight-up solid horror adventure story that's just well-told and well-made. Paradox is as different to Cloverfield Lane as that movie is to the original Cloverfield. And I love that they can do these different stories with different genres and styles and storytelling conventions, and they all still fit in the same universe. Or, well, multiverse. 
Paradox still sits very comfortably in the Cloververse, as another entry in this very Outer Limits style anthology series, but there is one major problem. We have seen this story before. We've seen dangerous things happening on a space station before, or a spaceship a la Event Horizon, which is probably the closest comparison to this movie I can make. Paradox is very much Event Horizon light. That was a dark, dark movie that really embraced the whole we punched a hole into hell idea. While Paradox has a much lighter, more fun tone, and that's fine, I like both movies and their different takes on very similar subject matter. It's better than a low-budget sci-fi horror affair, and it really uses the big budget and names associated with it very well. It doesn't use the Cloverfield name as well as Lane did, but putting this in a Cloverfield universe really works for it, and it at least gives some sort of overarching idea to the thing other than just, oh, it's a space station horror movie. The cast is wonderfully diverse. I love all the characters, even though I didn't really touch on too many of them. The story is well told for what it is, but it does genuinely boil down to being, well, a bit too familiar, no matter how well told or how well acted it is. I still very much enjoyed the story we got, but I am glad I waited the week to sit down and talk about it. It gave me a chance to sit with the movie for a few days, let it stew in my brain, and really think about it. If I had sat down and recorded this the day after on Monday morning, like I almost did, I probably would have still been over the moon and overhyping the movie, because I was still buzzing from the hype of a sudden Cloverfield attack on my Netflix. So yeah, it isn't as tense or as thrilling as 10 Cloverfield Lane, it may indeed suffer from being all too familiar, but it is still a very solid roller coaster ride of a movie. It has more than its fair share of surprises and shocks along the way, and a few good scares to go with them. On top of all that, I do give it some bonus points because it does have something to say about the state of the world today, and has an important message about seizing the moment and a little bit to say about the human condition, which is always good in a science fiction movie. It's not as on the nose and in your face as Get Out, but it is still there if you look for it. The general views on this movie I've seen in reviews over the last week have not been overly kind to Cloverfield Paradox, and I'd just like to say forget about all of them. If you're a fan of the first two flicks, you should definitely check this one out. Just go into it not expecting it to reinvent the wheel, and just enjoy a good, well-made sci-fi horror movie. And that's my thoughts on the Cloverfield Paradox. Thank you for listening to The Bloodstream. If you've enjoyed this show, you can subscribe over on iTunes. Just search for The Bloodstream. We're the podcast that's not about medicine. While you're there, please be sure to like, subscribe, and review. It's a big help, and much appreciated. There's also a Facebook group where I keep everyone up to date on what's going on with the show, so come on by, join up over there. We've got a Tumblr page over at thebloodstream.tumblr.com. If you've got any suggestions for the show or movies you'd like me to take a look at, you can leave a comment at any of those places, or shoot me an email at phoenixfoenix at gmail.com. That's phoenix with an F. My main theme for this episode was Tronicles by Sirius Beat, and the rest of the music, um, I haven't decided yet, I've got a few ideas, but whatever it is, there will be links and names in the show notes. So once again, I was your host, Jason Gray. Thank you for listening to The Bloodstream. Take care, keep streaming, and where did this videotape come from? What am I going to do with it?
computer, begin recording parental data log for quantum mechanic Jason Gray. Having returned from Reality 47, I discovered a curious item in my room. Apparently, once the Weinberg Paradox was resolved, the Shadow Timeline manifested itself as... a VHS tape. Yeah, I found a videotape labeled Cloverfield Paradox. It seemed to be the story of what went wrong in that reality, and as far as anyone will ever be concerned, it's just a movie. I'm not sure how that works or what happened, but the only documentation of the paradox even happening is this videotape in my hands. But I think I know exactly where this needs to go to do the most good.